Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And we are going to swing from the ceiling. Or What? We are going to swing from something. Okay. This is Song vs. Song, and this week we have a really good one. We are going to do Sia's Chandelier versus Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. You hyped? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I threw back a couple. My understanding is party girls can't get hurt. <laughs> well, this one was yours, wasn't it? Was it? No, I don't think so. Well, I think oh, you, you, we, you were we went pretty back high. and forth. We had, I think we had ideas for what would go up against some of these songs. I mean, it, it was uh, the early 2010s was a good time to be belting out things. Yes, these are belters. Yeah, I, I considered rolling in the deep for both of these also. Yeah. Yeah, I think the problem with that is that rolling with the deep will destroy all comers. Oh, I'll find one for it someday, I'm sure. All right. But like these are these are both about swinging, about swinging objects, and so that was the clincher for uh, this matchup. I appreciate you um, clarifying because for a second you were, you said swinging, and I said there are songs about the 1970s. Parties where married couples go in and put their <laughs> keys in the fishbowl. I think, uh, I don't know what's happening in Chandelier, but it certainly seems pl- possible, you know? Yeah, I she, mean, I'm not saying that Miley Cyrus would do it, but I'm also, well, Miley Cyrus, anyway, I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quit while I'm behind. <laughs> All right. So, you know, let's go into, let's just get into it. What's your pick? Um. Well, you know, one of these songs uh, is this sort of complex song that's about a really specific person. It's written by that person. It is written mm-hmm. for that person. Um, it has uh, a really artistic uh, music video. It's considered by many to be um, one of, if not the best song of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is four chords has like 20 writers on it. None of whom are <laughs> the, the lead artist, the, the lead artist. It's Miley uh, Cyrus for me. That's you know, right. I thought there, there might be a slight chance you were going to go the other way on this one. Like the, there is an obvious right path. choice yes. and, and occasionally, um, I roll a one <laughs> a crit fail on my ability to not be a contrarian piece of shit. Uh-huh. And that happened on this occasion. Well, I don't know how contrarian that is. I mean, I, I know like you're more much more likely to find people say they don't like Wrecking Ball than you will for Chandelier. But people really do love that Wrecking Ball. I have a question for you, and I feel as though it's kind of important. Mm-hmm. For the sake of the podcast and kind of your own opinion. Because the thing is, it's not as though your opinions at one point were not known on mm-hmm. Wrecking Ball. Which is to say, you did not like that song. Yeah, I was, uh, it was like tepidly negative, I think. I watched, well, I, I, wa- I watched your video. I mean, I made the video. I haven't watched it in years, and I don't remember what I said about it. But I, my feeling at the time was that it was like a five out of ten, maybe a four, is what I remember. You maybe did, it, you did not like it. I will say that that is that is what I recall. You did not. It was not glowing praise or no. fade praise or any praise at all, really. No, I wasn't impressed with it at the time. That was a uh, you know that was twenty thirteen. I reviewed it on my you know main job. 
so, my main hustle. So nearly a decade later, uh-huh. how do you feel about that song now? Has, oh. it, has your opinion changed? Oh, yes. It has quite a bit, actually. Now I would say it's like a two or a one. Like, So you hate it even more? Oh, yeah. I think it's very bad. Like, it's, it's extremely bad. Wow. Yeah, like, I've, I'm glad we have a counterpoint on this one because, uh, like I said, people really like this song. Like, for most people, it has gone up. Like, this is, like, the further we get from it, it was like, wow, that was a really good song. That's a classic. That's going to last. And I just don't see it. I, I don't get the appeal of it at all. Maybe you can explain it to me. Maybe. Because um, I remember in preparation for this, you said you were listening to the album it came from, and you were like, wow, Miley was all over the place in 2013. And she sure was. She was everywhere, and she was all over the place. It's an interesting year for her. Um, I guess, I, I, just, just to be clear, so you're saying chandelier for you. Yes, I, I realized that the way we perceive Sia has changed quite a bit since that song came out, but my feelings for this song have not changed. I think that is like uh, a mat- like I th- I praised it at the time in 2014, and 2014 was a shit year for pop music, and Sia was like the one one of the high points. And looking back on it now, I, I think I may have underrated it. I think that's a really fantastic song. Whatever else Sia might have done since then. I like it. You like Chandelier? Yeah, I don't. So there, I, like there, I said, ni- like, neither song do I dislike. I just mm-hmm. think that over time, I have come to view Wrecking Ball in, in some ways like the defining Miley Cyrus song. That is... 100% true. Like if when you know if Miley Cyrus, you know, you know, God forbid, but if she if she passed tomorrow, Wrecking Ball would like instantly shoot up to the top of the Spotify charts, not any of her other songs. And she has many other songs. Yes, like she's had a, a fascinating career, like an absolutely fascinating career. Yes, her career is doing very well right now and has been doing very well throughout the pandemic basically. Has it? Yeah, I mean, she put out an album that yeah. what that was it, Plastic Hearts. Oh yeah, I like Plastic Hearts quite a bit. I feel like that's her. I mean, I don't know if it's actually like her most successful record, but it. Oh, feels, not even close. Like Bangers is by far most successful. But, record. but here's what's interesting about it. It seems to me that that album has the most broad appeal. Like it casts such a wide net that anybody that used to be down on Miley Cyrus now everybody likes her. I've, we- I've met Nope. Was that? Classic hearts, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that during the bangers era, she was quite divisive. Yeah. Was she ever? A lot of people really hated Miley Cyrus during that period in time. And that included not liking that album and not really liking her music in general. I mm-hmm. would say that now it would seem as though people from every corner of the world and every kind of person is largely pretty positive on Miley Cyrus's music. Everybody seems to really like what she's up to. I mean, the people who have heard it like that that album, it wasn't like amazingly big or anything. It didn't like 
really have any major hit singles or anything. I like Midnight Sky, but it wasn't like a. It didn't I don't think it even touched the top ten. Hmm. It certainly got like very good critical reviews. That bangers did not like Miley Cyrus in 2013. Feels like a very old school kind of pop proposition where he's like she's going to be the biggest thing on earth, whether you approve of it or not. Like you don't whether you like it or not is just like completely immaterial to the Miley Cyrus phenomenon. Yeah, I think so. All right. There's a thing that you kind of talked about in the video now almost a decade ago. Like like in case anyone doesn't know, I also have a YouTube show. Oh, yeah, I review yeah, yeah. music. I, I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows. Okay. Pretty confident. You talked about how she had already kind of tried to break out of the whole Disney thing. Yes. Like, I really, after it failed the first time, I don't remember what the album was. It was called Can- Can't Be Tame. was the song, and it, you know, it sank like a rock. But that's the name of the album. The name okay. of the album is also Can't Be Tamed. All right. Well, uh, Can't Be Tamed, and it wouldn't be bought. No, it did not do well. So I think that she's still... So in case you don't know, somehow, like you come to this podcast centuries from now, <laughs> Miley Cyrus was a Disney person. She was in the stable of Disney actors and was famous for a show called Hannah Montana. Right. And as a result, she had to maintain a squeaky clean, good girl image. Even though Miley Cyrus, as we all know now in the 2020s, is not that. Like, no. not a, not a, that's not to say she's a bad person, but she's not what Disney was trying to make her project. Right. And innocent. She's definitely not a, not a person. Oh, that she was like, a real wild so child. Innocent. Yes. Yeah. And remains so, uh, in many ways. But, um, she tried in 2010 with this album, Can't Be Tamed, and it did not work. And what I encountered when I saw her talking about Bangers, which came out three years later, over and over again, people talked about how she seemed really out of control, and what she would counter with was, no, this is all according to plan. All of this is by design. I'm going to postulate that somewhere in the middle is the truth. Like it's, it's easy to say this was all by design when it works, and it did work. But that it, it just seemed out of control because it all seemed so messy. So it, here, so I think we should probably sort of... Um, there's, a, there's obviously a moment for Miley Cyrus. The moment upon which her career turns there's Mm -hmm. a pivot in which her career is one thing and then after that it is another thing Mm -hmm. and it involves a performance with a man in Beetlejuice pants (laughs) named Robin Thicke yes that's of course the infamous VMA performance which probably the last VMA performance of note whatsoever it's memorable. It was very memorable. Um, <laughs> I heard it described once. It's like, America turned on the TV wondering what happened to that nice Miley Cyrus girl who used to babysit for them. And they were shocked. So shocked. For me, that it wasn't just scandalous. 
it was like actively painful to look at. Well, the thing is that she, so her idea was that she would do these very sexual things while dressed like a baby. <laughs> and that that would sort of confuse the whole thing, right? It, I think it was by design to make people uncomfortable that she was doing what she was doing. And you can sort of like... I, I, I mean, we will... Robin Thicke took a lot of heat for this. Uh, and, if, and for all of the things that Robin Thicke can, can take heat for... This was Miley Cyrus's plan. I don't. I don't remember Robin Thicke taking a lot of heat for it. I remember most of the focus being on Miley. There, at first, people came for him because he was the man, and mm-hmm. they were kind of trying to say that it was him. And then he was like, "Look, I stood there. I literally did nothing but stand there." Yeah, I. I mean, I mean, she did that stuff, and I didn't stop her because she's an adult and gets to make those choices. Um, and you should talk to her about it. And indeed, yes. After that. You know, Miley Cyrus had to go out and do like the Oprah tour, right? Like she went to like all the daytime shows where people asked her if she was like sorry or whatever that she'd done it. And so I think what I kind of see from this period is that she learned in 2010 that a half measure on, (laughs) on escaping. No more half measures. Yeah. Right. She would have to go a 10 billion percent. She would have to be outrageous as possible. She would have to be as completely irregular as she could be in order to permanently break from the Disney image. And that, that if there is a goal, it was that. It was to, not that she dislikes Hannah Montana. I don't think she does. She seems to still have a genuine fondness for it and a gratefulness that a lot of people who loved her then still love her now. But the Disney aspect of it, the, 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 the pomp and circumstance surrounding being on that show, she needed to shake forever. Right. Like she uh, had to stay innocent. She couldn't like change her hairdo or anything like that. And, and thus, Bangers is born. This is, this is sort of like, so the plan was, how totally tasteless can I be? And how, how, how far do I have to go? I'm just going to keep running at top speed and never look back and hope that like when I get to the end of the field, it will have been far enough. And I think what's interesting about that time is that I always think of, um, not just of wrecking ball, but I think of, um, we can't stop. Ugh. But the reason why I think about it is not the song itself, but the controversy surrounding it. Do you remember there were like six billion controversies during this time period. I don't so, know what so, you're talking about. So what I remember about that time is that Miley Cyrus was accused of cultural appropriation. Oh, well, yes. That was Be- because of the twerking. Right. Right. Like Miley Cyrus, if you were to explain her in 2013, like how, like what's the, what's the fastest way to say what Miley Cyrus was doing in 2013? It's ass up, tongue out. That's it, right? Like every time. That's like every picture of her from that era is tongue all the way out, ass in the air. Yeah. And it was, it, like I said, I, I thought it was like genuinely unpleasant to look at. And like when it was like working to make her the biggest pop star of that year, I was like, well, you know, this, this clearly has to be intentional, right? She doesn't care whether you, 
like actually like looking at it. She likes pissing you off. She likes scandalizing you. I think that what it was and what I see in it is that she was using twerking because she felt it was outrageous and it would upset people that she was doing it. And she, I think, I don't like, I don't know. It's very hard to figure out how, you know, like how much she was thinking or not thinking. But if she were to be aware that perhaps she would be objectifying the black women around her and using them and and, and that culture, that it would ultimately be acceptable, a kind of collateral damage, so long as this particular end was met, which was to escape this sort of identity that she'd had before. I think she was willing to do literally anything, and I don't think that she cared particularly if other people around her got hurt in the process. And cultural appropriation was not something I think that was going to be on her radar maybe anyway, and it yeah. definitely wasn't during this well, time. You're reminding me of, like, this is, like, boy, 2013 and 2014 was a difficult time to be a critic because uh, it was, like, nothing but this conversation over and over again. I'm not saying it's not an important conversation. I just say, say that I don't enjoy it. For sure. I bring it up because it's part of the soup. It seems like none of this should actually matter to the actual song, which is not a scandalous song whatsoever. And yet... And yet it, it, I think it does. Oh, I no, think, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. This song came out after all that had happened. Right. I, I want to say like within days. Uh, I mean, like, I that's a good... I don't know the answer to how long it actually was, but I could tell you. In my you memory, that- it was days, like the day the day after Miley shocked the world, and also it was like, and here's my new video, Wrecking Ball. So, Wrecking Ball is completely unlike the rest of that album. It is, as we mentioned at the top, not written by her. Right. There are a bunch of other writers, and yet, what I think is so interesting about it is that it is a perfect summation of what she was doing. She came in like a wrecking ball. She sure did. She she just closed her eyes and swung. And she, you can say that like, so that's the plan, right? Was the coming in a wrecking ball. But she definitely at one point was like, I'm just going to close my eyes and hope that when I get to the other side, I'll have accomplished the goal, right? So to me, the song really hits exactly what she was doing in that year. It is a song that is Miley Cyrus if Miley Cyrus in 2013 were a song. That makes sense. And I I, I want to say like people were making the same observation at the time. Regardless of subtext, it also like the text of this song is this is a sad song. This is a breakup song. That is also true. And she and was like, also going through a breakup. Yeah, did that... Which I'm I don't not, think took at the time. Yeah, I was like, didn't she write another like breakup song for her, like f- about that relationship like five years later or something Called like that? Called Slide Away. Yeah, great song, really good. Um, in my opinion, that's a that's a that's a great um, little ballady tune. Uh, but this particular song, going back to, to to Wrecking Ball, is, I mean, aggressively simple, really, mm. really, really basic. This is not a complicated tune. And it's not a complicated video. It's just... Oh, it's a very complicated video. Is it? Okay, maybe complicated is not the word. Thorny, how's that? I guess, but like visually speaking, 
She's just on a wrecking ball. Well, there's other or a, things. Or a disco ball or whatever, you know. Like she's no, on it's a, a wrecking she's, ball. She's on a ball. It's a wrecking ball. In various stages of undress. Yes. And also she's got a sledgehammer at one point. Yeah, that she licks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real literal video. <laughs> we'll bring up the parallels later, I guess. But like, there's all like the chandelier video is also a pretty literal video with a girl and needs to be wearing more clothes. But I, I, well, I, we can talk about that. Um, but no, no, no. I, I'm sorry to derail. Go on. No, it's okay. Um, I think that certainly a thing that these songs also have in common other than the swinging is that they have videos that people really remember. Oh, yes. Yes, they do. Uh, so to me, that video is really iconic. It's, you know, it's the kind of thing you'd expect people to parody and they did. Oh, did they ever? I don't know. Like, despite how simple it is, despite how direct it is, um, and maybe not even despite, but, but precisely because of those things, which really, you know, is Miley Cyrus in a nutshell. Um, I don't think Miley is a very subtle <laughs> What do you mean? Person. And I think that what I, that's what I like about her. You know, the thing that, that has taken me some time to come around on is that just because sometimes she does shit that I don't like doesn't make me not like her or not like the fact that she is very direct. I think that the whole thing she hated about the Disney lifestyle was that she could not be direct, was she constantly had to obfuscate. She had to hide behind euphemisms and stuff like that. Wasn't there a whole bit about how, like, the lyrics to... We can't stop. Yeah, like people said she was saying Miley, not Molly. Yeah. And the quote was, the lyric is Miley if you're 12. (laughs) Amazing. And that's it. That's Miley Cyrus. And she has only become more that with time. So it's interesting to look at this song through the lens of now almost 10 years because what is great about Wrecking Ball is what's great about, I feel like, everything that she does now. Everything is really direct. Everything is really what you see is what you get. Everything you see is Miley Cyrus wants to do this thing, and she's going to just fucking do it. For a humongous pop star, there's something remarkably uncalculated about her. I mean, she's a child star, right? I mean, she's an adult now, but but she was raised up in this machine... And you know, and her, and her and her father also was a was a was a was a major pop artist. I mean, country artist, but let's yeah. face it, a pop artist. He had a yeah. huge mainstream success. It's the reason why country people didn't like him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Achy breaky heart. Uh, but you know, I think that that plays games with you. And I'm sure that she's a. I'm sure she's a weirdo, right? Like, oh yeah, you can't have a and life extreme. like that and not be absolutely out of your mind. Yeah, raised by a dad like that for that matter. Well, I, listen, I don't want to, I'm, I feel really uncomfortable saying anything about Billy Ray as a father. I don't know the yeah. first thing and neither do you, but, um, I do think that being raised up in a, in, in the system of like Disney and Hollywood and filmmaking and, mm-hmm. and, and, and music, is definitely going to skew you in a way that makes it maybe so that you're not the most relatable <laughs> to other people. And yet, despite that, I think that she, musically at least, when she puts pad down, uh, paper down to uh, pen down to paper, good grief, what the hell's wrong with me? Having a stroke. Um, 
I think that what comes out is pretty direct. And I think when she has other people help her out with that, she has people who really get what it is that she wants to say and the image that she wants to put forth, which I think is pretty much who she is. Yeah. Um, like she's made a lot of terrible music. Like she will just like, she is unafraid to like drive directly into the ditch. And so she makes things like Catitude and like Miley Cyrus and her dead, dead pets. pets. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. But it's always like an interesting kind of thing. Whereas like, I have no idea why anyone would make this, but like, I get why you Miley Cyrus would make this for well, me. My, yeah. Miley Cyrus and her dead pets was, um, a, like a moment. I mean, that was like on like, like an, like her own indie label. Yeah. She very decisively said, I don't want anybody to be able to say no, no matter how bad my ideas are. Mm. I'm just going to make the worst thing I can. I mean, I'm sure that's not what she was thinking at the time, but when no one says no to you ever, when there's nobody there to go, hey, but what about? And everyone instead goes, yeah, like let's take that absolute random idea you just had right now and take it to the most extreme direction we can. Um, You're going to get an album that is borderline unlistenable <laughs> but interesting i mean miley cyrus and her dead pets is not a good record but boy like i think she probably learned more on that record than most artists learn in decades yeah well for me wrecking ball is a bad song because it's a bad song that doesn't interest me like it is like a song that is just what it is and you know we hear that you know this is her heartfelt song it does not feel particularly heartfelt to me even though she's like literally crying in the video and it just doesn't hit for me at all. Like the emotion of it, I don't feel it. It does not help that the chorus is obscenely bad. It is a terrible chorus. It does not hit like a wrecking ball, like at all. It feels like it's moving in slow motion. It feels like if it's a wrecking ball, it's a wrecking ball that isn't being swung. It's like just being pushed along the ground. That has always been my feeling about it. And like, it didn't help that the video is what it is you know like it does not enhance the song you said is what i would say it does not work with the song it's like it's so strange i love but, it i love that chorus are you kidding it, it i i know it's a i know it's a minority opinion i don't get it i don't get it i think it sucks i listen what when i was so when i was going back and listening to to bangers and, and thinking about bangers 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 I don't okay. know why we're doing this. <laughs> Poor Miley Cyrus, who is, I mean, she's not listening to this, but you know, yeah. I'm trying to do you dirty, Miley. I love you very much. You're great. Uh, I think something that I sort of came away with thinking about this era in general, right? Here I go again. Um, it's always the same old shtick. What I see, why I connect to it, is that she was in a situation where people wanted her to be one thing. And she was not that thing. And so she had to go to great lengths Mm -hmm. to become and to, if you will, transition Mm -hmm. to the person she actually is. And she hurt a lot of people in the process. She pissed off everybody around her. The world was mad. Mm -hmm. And she said, fuck you. I'm doing it anyway. And now Miley Cyrus is the person that she actually wants to be. And so to me, that is relatable content. Yeah. I understand that. 
you know, you can say that, you know, obviously it's not a one for one because it yeah. isn't. Also, she's famous and rich. <laughs> um, and also, she didn't change her gender presentation. But, you know, I think that she did explore her gender in the process. She explored her sexuality in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think all that stuff, just whether you're trans or queer or just a person that's trying to figure themselves out in that way, um, which is something I suppose women are more likely to do than men. That's yeah. like not really a thing that men uh, by large to be, as far as I could tell, seem to have as much of an interest in. But that really resonates with basically everybody else. <laughs> basically everybody, every other person other than like straight cis men are probably going to understand that like that need to really break free. Uh, speaking as a straight cis man, I certainly admire the full length of Miley's career. And I like to just like imagine going to a concert and like she performs party in the USA. And I like to imagine best of both worlds in there too. And then Jolene and then 23 and then all her stuff from her gigantic pop year, 2013, like just like what an amazing, bizarre career she has had. Yeah. I mean, like I, it's not that she never has like low points. I mean, like yeah. Lord knows, like even when you get past, I mean like that 2013, 2014, she was like mired in so many controversies. Like but she, she but, was but like, the, but that was inevitable. It was, it was, it was the price of what it was that she needed to do. I, yeah. Uh, but, and like, and she said, like looking back on it, like 2013 is like, what the fuck am I doing? Looking a goddamn sledgehammer riding naked. And it's like, uh, she kind of regards it now as like a cringy tattoo. She shouldn't have gotten, but, but it had to be, I, you know what? It had to happen. Yep. I believe that it had to happen, and I think that the absolute best thing that came out of it, other than the fact that she managed to break free, is that song, is Wrecking Ball. And I think, you know, if I was to say, like, what's the, the, the stuff of Miley Cyrus's I, I don't really connect to, it's when she plays it safe, you know? And it's not like she hasn't done that after that. I mean, she did the, the Dead Pet shit, and then she did what? Fucking Younger Now? That's a boring ass album. <laughs> That's that was her going like, all right, I guess I'll play it straight. But she played it too straight, mm-hmm. and then you know we had all of this break while she figured out what the next thing was going to happen, and then like she, then a lot of insane things happened in the world, and then you started to see it. Uh, I think with Slide Away, Slide Away is a great song, like just really well written. Not you know like I wouldn't say that it's like really tantalizing, but she really did what she needed to do as far as um, writing a song or performing a song that is exactly what she was feeling at the time and have it be like really emotional and really well-crafted. I think that's one of her best songs. And then that led into Plastic Hearts in 2020. And that is... Yeah, it's a, it's a, a whole like she's like a brand new artist on that. And she's still herself, but also like it was a huge... Huge reinvention, partly because she'd had to get surgery on her, on her, uh, on her, um, she had like nodes or something. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. About that. And if you look, something that I thought was really interesting is that, um, when she performs some of her earlier material, like Wrecking Ball, she has to have the backup band, the backup singers, <laughs> do the high notes because she can't really hit them anymore. Uh-huh. Her lower register is the best it's ever sounded. Mm-hmm. But her upper register is not, she can't reach the same high notes that she used to. I mean, I, I wasn't really a fan of her high notes anyway, so. I mean, I think it worked. I for mean, that she's song. got a very distinct voice. 
She and, does. She does. But I think I mean, that's that's partially why I like Plastic Hearts so much better than uh, most of her other stuff. She's always had more, much more of a rock voice or even a country voice than a pop voice or a hip hop voice. God forbid. Ugh. I like her. I like the scope of her career. But I, I think what's really by the way, I mean, I think that this is evident at the time that that um, Wrecking Ball also kind of sounded like. Did you say it was nothing compares to you? Somebody had said that at one point. They were like, oh, these songs kind of like, it's kind of sounds like this song. Well, I mean, that's where the teardrop in the video comes from. That's yeah. a, like extreme close up, uh, you know, tear rolling down the cheek. But that's how she does it live. She mashes the two. Oh, really? Yes. In fact, well, if, a- you, if you look up, so there is, there's um, an album, like a live record they put out called Attention Miley Live. And in fact, she does those that's two songs together. As I, I remember this distinctly, Sinead O'Connor did not like the comparison, and they, Miley and Sinead, got into it on Twitter in a way that made both of them look really, really bad. Like, yeah, well, when was that? What year was 20, that? 2013. So here's the deal Did anybody really know how to use Twitter yet? <laughs> they definitely didn't, for sure. And I think most people did not. So I give, I grant a lot of grace to people having big Twitter beef. Yeah, a decade ago, when when the world was new, you know, it's a it's a fascinating thing. I'm just remembering all the controversies, and I'm like, this is a, a Dr. Luke song, a Terry Richardson video. Mm-hmm. Sure and, is. And like, and it, it feels like we are as a like a world. Like maybe Miley Cyrus has never been that big again, but we are as a world, we are pretty okay with Miley Cyrus's presence in the world, and we've moved on from all of that. And, you know, I, I guess we kind of just like, if, even if it bothered us at the time, we forgive and forget because, you know, she's a kid. She was, you know, a young woman, she, you know, going through a painful, some growing pains. I, well, like, here's the thing. I mean, also, boy, the Dr. Luke thing and, yeah. and all those guys, like how I, I try to remember like contextually what was known, how much these things were being talked about at the time. I mean, the Dr. Luke thing, like she, that hadn't come out yet. So that's. Perfectly okay. unproblematic at the time. Terry Richardson, like even before stuff came out about him, like everyone was getting like really gross vibes off of it, off gotcha. of that guy. Gotcha. So what I think, so what I would say about that is there's a difference between Miley Cyrus doing stuff with Dr. Luke in 2013 mm. and say someone like Kim Petras <laughs> doing work with Dr. Luke no. now. Yeah. Especially, you know, because I, I literally, mean, this was like a big thing, right, in 2022, at least, you know, for, I think, um, queer music fans, was that Kim Petras put out this album or, you know, this short mm-hmm. record that people really, really liked and then found out that Dr. Luke had helped write it. And when Kim Petras was grilled on, like, why did you work with him? Her response was basically to say, oh, it's always the woman's fault. <laughs> it's like, Nobody held a gun to your head. <laughs> you could have not worked with him. You made a choice. Miley Cyrus, I think, is in a very different boat 10 years previous. Yeah. Basically. Um, but, so I don't really, again, like, I, it's not just her age. It's just that I think contextually, it's just a different situation. Right. I mean, well, where I was going from that is like, she was like, there was, and there were tons of other things too, like rubbing her ass on the Mexican flag or something. I forget. Oh, uh, but we've all moved on. We've all we all we understand you were going through some stuff. Look, I would say this versus just, just but okay, very quickly, and then I will let you go. 
Um, I think versus our other artists. Yes. Is, who is, it seems like may have a more difficult time moving through her controversy era, moving past that. Well, that's true. I think worth noting that there are people who still don't like Miley Cyrus for exactly the reason they didn't like her 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that that is fair. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, I don't like, I think if somebody said to me, I just can't get past what she did. I don't think any, like her need to do what she did, I can understand, but I still don't think it ultimately justifies the way that she just I mean, my, of, my objection was like more than anything still is just aesthetics. It's a, uh, it's a painful just to like, as an artist to like watch, to listen to, to enjoy like that album, this, this song, every fucking thing she was doing on stage at the time. Like I, you know, forgiveness or not, I just don't enjoy it. Like I admire Miley a lot more than she's made music I like or stuff I like. I, my perspective on it is that I still look back at the way that she utilized black women. And I think I still don't like that. That's still, that's never going to hit right for me personally. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I mean, maybe not, maybe not the Mexican flag thing. I didn't, I, that I didn't remember at all. That's also a messy, absolutely <laughs> unhinged thing that I, I can't condone. But a lot of the other stuff I don't was, exactly was, was designed to make people uncomfortable, and I get it, and I kind of I like that. Mm. That being said, now we can talk. I feel like we've, we've perhaps in 40 minutes. You have a lot of thoughts about Miley Cyrus. I, I do. And I think all of it, which is to say that I just, you know, there's not a lot to say about Wrecking Ball other than it really fucking hits for me. I uh-huh. just think that it's anthemic. I think it's simple, but beautiful. It's melodic. It's powerful. And the more time that it exists, somehow the more powerful it gets. Um, the more universal it feels. Like, it just, I think almost anybody, except apparently for you, Todd, um, can really relate to that song. And, yeah, I love it. I just think that it weirdly, as great as Chandelier is, and we're going to talk about it now, I just think of Wrecking Ball as being, like, one of the absolute best songs of the decade and maybe one of my favorite songs of all time. I never get tired of listening to that one. I just think it's so fucking good. Sia. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about Sia? What are the your other, thoughts? The other artist in the wig. I want to <laughs> say very quickly that you asked, because the whole reason people get annoyed with this podcast is that I talk too much. <laughs> um, but song's no. great. I, it's interesting. Like Her backstory is interesting that she was about to give up and, <laughs> and sort of just be a person that writes music for other people. And then the song just kind of came out and it, you know, they were like, could be for this person. And just like, it just became so obvious that chandelier was a song written for her. It's about her. Right. And then her entire career turns on a dime. I mean, Sia was the indie artist who, uh, you know, she, if you knew, you knew, but uh, I mean, maybe if you knew her from the six feet under, finale you might know her if you're she had an electronic band called zero seven for a while and through the 20 through the 2000s she was you know someone you probably didn't know unless you were like a pitchfork person and out of nowhere i would think it was christina aguilera who was like hey can you write some songs for my album and she was like sure and uh even though that album tanked 
like the Titanic. She uh, found more work as a songwriter for big name pop stars. And she, which, which album was that? That was Bionic. Okay. Now here's a follow up question. Mm-hmm. How do people feel about Bionic now? Has it uh, has it has it become more popular, less popular? Yes, that is a flop era that has only grown in people's estimation in hindsight. I th- I want to say like I mean like arguably it was ahead of time. It had Sia in 2010 before anyone had heard of her. And then she was on a couple of, you know, big pop songs. She was on a David Guetta song. She was on a Flo Rida song. And the thing is, like, she had... She Diamond? Yeah, she wrote Diamonds for Rihanna. And, like, Rihanna is just straight up doing exactly what Sia is doing on the guide vocals. And, in fact, for a while, I was like, I could not tell the two apart during that time period. Like, if you put a song on and I hadn't heard it before, I would not be able to tell you if that was Rihanna or Sia. A complex situation to be in, to be sure. Yeah, Except, of course, Rihanna was the biggest superstar in the world, and Sia just had absolutely no interest in becoming any kind of pop star. In fact, she was on the cover of Billboard in 2013, and by on the cover, I mean that she, there was a, I don't even know if it was Sia, because it was someone in a paper bag, and saying, it's like, this person, this humongous pop star does not want to be famous, written on the the page and she had like a whole anti-fame manifesto and it seemed like fame got to her anyway and that's largely because of you know this song chandelier this whole album which she was only making out of contractual obligation she was like well i'm gonna finish out my contract and then i'm done and i'm gonna retire into like a big fun world of writing for other people it and made that, sense. And, and most alternate realities mm-hmm. in the multiverse, almost all cases, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. And yet she wrote Chandelier, which absolutely, like, I mean, she already had momentum from Wild Ones with Flo Rida and Titanium with David Guetta. But this really busted things open for her. And I remember thinking, and this is after Wrecking Ball, so songs that sounded like this were not completely out of nowhere. But I remember thinking, God, what a breath of fresh air this song was in 2014. What else was out there? What else was out there like in 2014? Um, it's not what was happening at the time, more like what would, had been happening for a good uh, two, three, four years before that, which was, you know, the fir- Obama's first term was like nothing but party songs. It was nothing but party songs. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. And it was just, it was so exhausting. And people, you know, point to Royals by Lord as the song that finally, like, put a hard end to that. I got kind of the same feeling from Chandelier. It's like, okay, here's our party song that actually takes you to the morning after. Right, it's the, it's, it's a song about what is the natural conclusion of partying every night as hard as you possibly can. And I did not know this. I knew nothing about Sia, but apparently she was living this life at least at one point in her life. Yeah, I mean, it was the song's about that, and it's about addiction. Mm -hmm. It's about the march of shame afterwards. Here comes the shame. I mean, this is just me. Maybe I don't know what it's like to go in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, you know, I'm a quiet guy who keeps to himself. 
But drinking too much, that I know very, very well. And wanting the party to continue after no one wants to party anymore. I absolutely get that all uh, like deep down in my bones. And uh, hangovers, I know uh, pretty well, too. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, like, you know, I can I can sympathize. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I've never drank before. However, if I drink, as you well know, I will fall asleep. <laughs> um, and that's it. You are laughing because that is perhaps the most true thing I have ever said on this podcast yeah. in low these many years. So I don't, you know, I remember when you and I were were, were much younger folks and mm-hmm. we would go to different people's parties and stuff, mm-hmm. or if I would like have people over, I was always amazed that like you and, and the rest of the gang, like we'd get to like three, four in the morning mm-hmm. and I'd be like trying to nudge y'all towards the door you know and like that was like in the era where like Lindsay would be like it's four in the morning I should pull out my accordion like oh god no oh I love you please go home Uh, we could play the accordion tomorrow I'm tired I'm so tired uh and like a lot of the folks in that crew were like that so Mm. and I just wasn't I was and I've never been that that type of person I just like I like to party but like once it gets to be like two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm like, it's not that like the universe is making me turn into a pumpkin. I'm like crawling into a pumpkin and saying, get out. I'm a, I'm a pumpkin now. So I don't like, it's just like, that's a little like, it's just not my experience. I don't know that yeah. at all. Whereas wrecking ball makes a lot of sense. to me. <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm certainly not the people call for a party, but if you, you know, if you want to like get people together and hang out all night, I I am absolutely that guy. I don't know, like especially back, you know, we were young, much younger people, and I was drinking way too much. Like I felt this one like right down in my bones. Can I tell you something? You may. I don't think the chandelier video is very good. I, I think, think I think that you should explain yourself. All right. Well, part of it is that if you haven't seen the video, it is. A, I don't know how old she was. She looks uh, like 10 or 11 or something like I that. I believe she's 11. I think so. She's uh, dancing in this like flesh colored leotard. She's just dancing around the house. Her name is Maddie Ziegler. She would become very familiar with Sia over the course of the then to now. Everyone seems to like this video. It's It looks like a one take. It probably isn't. But, you know, she's just dancing around. I don't think it's very good. I think much like... The Wrecking Ball video, it is much too literal. Now, see, I don't agree with that at all. I'm, I just see her like stacking the drinks. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. Well, and okay, I, go ahead. I don't know. Like, and much like uh, Miley Cyrus and her flesh-colored bikini on, uh, grinding on Robin Thicke, I, I, like, this is a, a little girl in a flesh-colored suit. I don't know why this choice was made. I don't, I don't like it. I always thought that this music video made a lot of sense. This is my, when I watched it, what I got off of it was not that it was literal, but that it was taking a thing about being an adult. And I like, do like, I do like this part. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. I, I do get that. And, and, but not only like writing it towards like a child, but also that like, it's sort of this awareness, this, I always think of it as, remembering that really hard time in your life where you're transitioning from, I use that word not in a 
transgender way this time. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, I get it. I get this it. This is men and, and, and a different Anyway, uh, when you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood, and there's a really awkward in-between period, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think especially for young girls because there's just no script for this shit, right? Like mm-hmm. we did a bonus episode about, episode about turning red and like we had to talk about how people were so mad that someone acknowledged that like girls so young would have periods, but like girls who are like 10 have those, right? Like we don't talk about the fact that this stuff happens and that because there's this, here comes the shame, here comes the shame, mm-hmm. people don't want to talk about it. So to me, it's a music video that is not literally about Sia's stuff. It's about how there are always these times in life and they really start in this particular moment when you're like around like 10 to 12 where all of a sudden people don't want to talk to you about these things, about the fact that you're changing, about that you're being an adult and, and you're reaching, reaching what is likely going to be a sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. And the thing about a sexual awakening is that like the part of the point of sex is procreation. Why do we procreate? It's because eventually we will die. We are leaving a progeny behind. It is a kind of mortality. It's an awareness of mortality. Nobody wants to talk to kids about being sexually active for many reasons. And one of them is that like it means acknowledging like the inevitability of death. There's a great movie called It Follows. It's all about that. But this music video is dealing with all that stuff. And it's done through interpretive dance by an actual 11 year old. And I think it's fucking great. I love that music video. I think that it hits really hard because when you're an adult, you realize that there's still a part of you that is that innocent person and that you can't go back there, even though you still feel that as a part of your DNA, as a part of your identity. No one's ever going to see you that way again. No one's ever going to see you as, Innocent, especially if you're the party girl that's up all night and have got like party girl voice and like done a lot of drugs and screwed Mm. around like your chance of being seen as still having any kind of innocence whatsoever is totally shattered. And that's fucking bullshit. And I think that that music video, at least for me, when I watch it, is also dealing with that. And I find that profoundly sad but really important to acknowledge okay that is you know that is your interpretation i guess that's valid (laughs) thank you i guess (laughs) i guess but you really love this song it's really it's really the bottom line so why don't you talk about why you love the song so much i i mean i i mean i'd i'd uh talking about the song any more than that would probably be more revealing than i want it to be but let's just say i've been there I've been there and I was like all in on Sia for a good couple years after that. And then I, I don't know. That I, album's very cohesive. Yes. It's very good. And I don't know, at some point Sia just kind of lost the plot for me. Just like her anti-fame manifesto. It really did feel, I mean, her next album was this is acting and it really just felt very impersonal. It was there for, for the hits, I guess. And like, and she was right. Like, fame was not good for her. She no, was, no. And for I mean, like, we might as well say it. I have seen the movie she made. It is called it about, Music. It is music. 
It's about the autistic girl played by the the little dancer girl in her, all her videos. It is. It was very controversial. I watched it. It is exactly what is advertised. It is exactly what people have reported that it is. And it is that within like the first 30 seconds. I really cannot recommend enough that you do not watch this video. It is rough. I mean, you said right away. It was like, I will take your word for it, Todd. Yeah, I, you kept going, you know, you could watch the first 30 seconds. And I said, and yet, I won't. No, no, no. I, that, I did not say you could or should. I was like, in more a general sense, you specifically should not. You, se- <laughs> you seemed to imply. If that was how I was taken, I apologize. You really should not. I do not want you to look at this. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate I feel. I feel protected. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of like one of those songs that's so like boringly perfect that it's hard to discuss. Like, you know, I've seen people say that, you know, more casual pop listeners took it, weren't li- really listening to it. They just thought it was just another fucking party song. I believe that. I think that that's you. I mean, like, but it's so strange because there's something about the instrumentation. Like, it's almost purposefully labored, right? Like, mm-hmm. it it's not an exhausting song. But you can tell that there is exhaustion built into it. Yeah. Well, for me, that that big you one, know, two, high three, note. one, two, three drink does not sound joyous to me. Does it sound happy to you? I mean, that's a, that's like a you know dance choreography. One, two, three. One, two, three. Jump. And you know that's you know it's very rigid. It's very very difficult. And I don't know when the. When when that chorus hits, that hits for me. That's an amazing moment. Ah, and it really feels like the the sound of spiraling out of control. That is just one of the greatest moments in pop music. Like especially like at the time, because like I said, twenty fourteen was like not a good year. That's a, it's just an amazing moment. I remember when Karen Gillan sang it. On selfie. On the enormously popular series. I remember I, I came in and I saw you watching that. I that is literally the only thing I know about this show. Uh I like selfie. This is mm-hmm. neither here nor there. I think that you know, I love Karen Gillan, so um where where she goes I follow. But um that was a like a like a you know, my fair lady. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Her name's Liza Dooley, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like it's 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 meant to evoke that stuff. Um, but at the end of it, does she sing a more tasteful song? Is that her I arc? I don't, like, I don't. I don't think she does. Well, the show didn't last very long. Uh-huh. But it was her and John Show and a bunch of other people, and it was it was it was it deserved better. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And Karen Gillan singing it in the context of the show was also really effective. Like it was a good it was a good fit for what they were trying to get across. And it, you know. I wouldn't say that it was ever going to make the song more popular, but it was interesting to see it used in that context. Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard Wrecking Ball used in a bunch of things, like commercials and stuff sure, like that. Sure, sure. It's like a Dior ad or something in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think there was like a car commercial too. Much like Miley herself during that time, Wrecking Ball seems very memeable. I don't know. Chandelier, I can't, I haven't really seen used in much, and I don't really think it should be. But it was, uh, but it was in that, yeah, it was in that Dior ad with Natalie Portman. Chandelier? Yeah. Was it? I don't know this. Yeah. That's terrible. I don't like that at all. 
It's not a. I don't really understand. I feel like this song's too personal to be used in a goddamn commercial. It's very weird. Um, Wrecking Ball. What I remember most is actually um, there's a YouTube video where a guy with like a big bushy beard is in the is in the the outfit that Miley Cyrus where he's wearing oh, like, I remember you know this all one. white like white underwear and like a white like like tank top um, with a with a belly exposed. He's on chat roulette. And so he's like going in and out and they just take like a best of reel of him doing this and people's reactions. And it's hilarious, but it's not remotely insulting to Miley or the song. If anything, it actually just makes the song seem even cooler and Miley seem even more cool. And it's just, and like everybody loves it. Like everybody is like singing along like grown ass like men are like 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 pretend flirting with him and it's yeah. just it's very cute and very funny and it's always what i think of beyond the actual song and music video itself is this chat roulette thing what what i always think of is a remix called brecking wall where like the 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 guy the producer just keeps adding like horrible remix elements to make it worse like the the air horns like damn son where'd you find this and it just keeps getting worse and worse I'm trying to remember there was also like one where like they did it in a different key oh right where they just keep doing it wrong oh it's, yeah. oh it, oh it's it's the scary version that's what it was called it was yeah. called Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball Scary Version and it was tuned to G major. <laughs> And it's like, it's done in like that, like they just take the music video and make it all in like negative. negative. Yeah, I remember this one. It's great. Yeah, okay. The, but all these things make the song, to me, it just it just zeroes in on why it's so good. I don't, I, I can't get there. I, you know, I, I, I'll say this, maybe I don't enjoy Wrecking Ball the song very much, but Wrecking Ball the meme as a, you know, a wonderful phenomenon. And on that note, I think it's time. To do the four questions. I think so, yes. All right. Well, we do four questions when we talk for too long, which is every episode, and certainly this is especially not an exception. So we do these four questions to sort of take everything that we talked about and and put it into a formula to sort of really make sense of what we've been saying. So the first question is uh, a question of historical significance. Uh, One of these songs is going to disappear forever, as though it never existed, and the other one, it's going to live on in perpetuity. For the culture, Todd, which song has to stay? Ooh. I mean, ignoring... I mean, I, I feel like this may come down to just my personal preference because otherwise these, these songs are both extremely culturally important. Like, I, you know, these songs made the decade. Jeez, jeez, jeez. I'm trying to be objective about it, and if, when I do that, I can't decide... So I think it's just going to be it's like I would be happier if Chandelier still existed. And I don't know. Do you have a, a, a better case? Well, I mean, the, those memes, all those memes you said was a, like, that's a pretty good case. Well, here's the thing. Todd, if Chandelier had never happened, mm-hmm. then music never happens. That's a good point. That's that's the day the music dies, <laughs> if you will. Um, I don't know. It's such a good song, and it, it is such a definer. I think I might still give it to Chandelier just because I think 
that is a more defining song of the decade, whereas um, Wrecking Ball is just the definer of one individual. Um, as much as I love Miley, um, I, I mean, I, gosh, the only, the only thing that makes me second guess myself is, is Miley Cyrus still Miley Cyrus without that song? Does yeah. bang does banger still have a similar trajectory that leads I mean, to everything it's by after? Far, uh, like of her post uh, post control years, it is certainly her biggest song by a pretty large margin of her adult years. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's really hard. I don't. I, know. I think we're going to end up deadlocked on this. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm going to say just just to sort of have the counterpoint. I would give it to Miley just because I love Miley so much. I, I think that's fair. And I think that um, the world would be so much less if we hadn't continued to get Miley doing so many weird different things and mm-hmm. arriving where she has now. Because I still actually think that there's a lot more that Miley can still do. Like, still pretty young, still like coming out with new and interesting things, whereas Sia kind of feels like it's a wrap. I don't think Sia's coming back. Yeah. That's... Uh, I, you'd be surprised. I guess anything can happen. No, she's already got a, a, a song that's cracked the top 50. I had no Tennessee. idea. I'm shocked I mean, by that. I it, It's an old song that got revived by a commercial, but it's like really catching on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Okay. Yeah. Question number two uh, is sort of a, a question of like the actual personal history of the song. Mm-hmm. You could be like a fly on the wall. You can experience soup to nuts. The entire creation of the song um, from the initial um, recording, uh, including the, the writing of the lyrics and whatnot, uh, all the way up to and including the music video. This one feels a little easier because one of these was not written by Dr. Luke. Mm. And so I would give this to Sia just to not have to deal with any Dr. Luke bullshit. Uh, Terry Richardson is also like... Pretty like, gross. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, which would be more revealing? I feel like we could find out a lot. I'd be like, which one would be more interesting? Maybe not like interesting in a good way, but yeah. I mean, I will say that my understanding of Chandelier is that it was written and even recorded very quickly. Yeah, that's true. So actually, no, I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to I'm going to hold my nose, accept the trauma of knowing, <laughs> and know and find out. And find out just how gross and weird it is to work with Dr. Luke. Uh, Terry Richardson is the the one that like that really skeeves me out. Like I'm that, sure that that's a real. I can't imagine. Like it's hard for me to say. Like man, can't wait. <laughs> yeah. To watch that, but like it is. It is kind of. I don't know. I think I've talked myself back out of it again. <laughs> I just like. Why am I torturing myself? I don't. I don't need to know this. Yeah. I don't need this. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say Wrecking Ball. You're. I think you've changed your mind. Yeah. I mean, right. like. So here we go. It's okay. gonna be a real weird episode. Yep. We're useless. Question number three. Megan Thee Stallion getting up to a night of hot girl shit, but before she does, she's got to prepare. She's got to put on a, a mixtape. One of these songs is gonna go on it. Todd, for now and forever. Which one of these two songs is hot girl shit? Oh, this is the easiest one in the world. Chandelier is like the hottest of hot girl shit. Like that's all the great anti-drinking songs kind of make you want to drink. All the great anti-party songs will kind of make you want to party. Like otherwise, why would you do anything you regretted later? 
Like, Chandelier is a great pump-up song. Versus Wrecking Ball, that one's just sad. <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. Yeah. Question number four. Not just the most important question of this podcast, but also the most important question that can be asked. William Shatner. The William Shatner of William Shatner's is going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs for the dramatic flair, for the actor in us all. Which one of these songs must be shot upon? Oh, we're back to the hard questions again. Like, because he could really eat both of these. Like, he can make such a meal. Whichever one he picks, he's got to go f- like whole hog on the on the choruses. I came in like a wrecking ball. I want to swing from the chandelier. Oh God, they're both good. I know. I think what you're saying is Bill Shatner needs to do both of these. God, it like, has it's to be. A, it, it has to be. Man. This is much tighter than I realized it was going to be. Like, except for that third question. It's a, like a split decision all the way around. Yeah, he has to do both of these. He does, he does. He has to do both. It's actually really important to me. Yo, <laughs> before you die, and you don't have a lot of time left, please do both these songs. Please. William Shatner himself often talks about how he doesn't think he has a lot of time left. I'm not, that's not me, like, mocking him. That's literally the way he talks. But, like, Bill, if you really think you're going to die soon... For the love of God, do both <laughs> these songs. It would be a great note to go out on. Yeah, for sure. You will be remembered for this forever. All right. Let us uh, see what the readers said. The listeners? The readers. Oh, God. We've been talking a long goddamn time. Yep. Right. Evan Z writes, fuck it. Third party vote for Tarzan Boy. Because it's about swinging from things. <laughs> nice joke. I think that's a good solid joke. Like, Fremsley writes, and this is great, apparently these songs have verses. <laughs> uh, Dipdop writes, man, remember when Miley Cyrus getting a haircut was the pinnacle of music discourse? I think... If that was the case, like, it didn't didn't last for very long. Yes, I certainly do remember that haircut. It was not in the discourse as long as some of the other things that she did that year. Yeah. All right. Alyssa writes, I like both these songs, and they're also both good examples of songs that would be significantly worse with better vocals. Interesting. I mean... I'm, I'm not sure that I disagree with that. I think that might be right. Like, that is, uh, that is something. That is certainly, uh, I mean, you hear both voices crack pretty hard on those choruses. And I think it works. It does work. Most of these comments were mostly talking about how angry Sia made them, so I cut out most of them. With, like, yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I like, mean it's, I, I it's don't, not going to edify us. I don't, we we I know. Don't, yes, I don't think that people need to be reminded. No. I don't think it's going to change. I think it is what it is. Yes, for sure. You're not wrong to say it. Yeah, one last one then. Gal Hazer writes, I'll probably go with Chandelier because I once mashed it up with the offsprings. The kids aren't all right. And I thought it was great, even though the people I played it to hated it. And really, isn't it the best tribute to see it to hide your face and stick to your bad choices, even when people keep telling you they're bad? I mean, 
you've just described literally everything I do every day. That's like that's like my whole life. So yes. Yeah. He goes on to add, it's like on the other hand, I also remember having a karaoke night with friends and two of them sang Wrecking Ball and decided to draw attention and I decided to draw attention to myself by sucking on a hammer. And really, isn't it the best tribute to Miley Cyrus to interrupt other people and draw attention to yourself by sucking on a hammer? You know, you're really just <laughs> reminding me why I like Miley Cyrus so much. <laughs> okay, well, we've let them f- fight it out. We've talked too long. All that's left is the results. Tell me who you think won this one by how much? Unless you cheated and looked again. I always look. Quit doing that. The whole premise of this is that you don't look. Well, that's why we have we have to have guests so I can look. Because <laughs> the thing is, I want to see what people are saying. Um, so yes, I know. Why don't you just tell the people the the, the okay? Well, me- I would say, in my opinion, kind of shocking result. Okay, well, for a total of five seventy four to two eighty six, that is almost exactly a two thirds to one third split. It's chandelier. <laughs> Coming in like a wrecking ball on wrecking ball. It was a landslide victory. Yeah, I mean that decisive. Like I said, like people really like wrecking ball, but also people really don't like wrecking ball. Whereas the only counter you have to that is people really like chandelier. People really don't like Sia. Yeah, that's a difference. So yeah, this was like despite whatever Sia may or may not have done, and for the record, she's very very sorry. But yeah, this was uh, this was always Sia's to lose, and she, she, I was not surprised at all. I'm a little disappointed, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, the thing is that like Miley Cyrus doesn't need the win; <laughs> she's doing just fine. Well, thank you for listening to Song versus Song. If you want to support us, you can go to our Patreon, and you can give us a dollar and listen to our bonus episodes. We do a new one every month. This month, we talked about something called. Gretzko. If you were a patron for the last two years, that might mean something to you. <laughs> if not, I promise you, you should catch up. It's a fascinating thing that happened in our little corner of the sky. All right. Well, you ready for the next one? Never. What is it? I feel like I'm, I want to go back on my classic rock shit. So we will be doing Bob Seger's Against the Wind versus Jackson Brown's Running on Empty. This one matters to me quite a bit. I can see. <laughs> I can see, like, this is not your jam. But No, no. We'll figure it out. We bring on a guest for this one or what? I can find one. but I mean, I don't know that we'll need one, but, you know, just for... Just for I mean, I'm, I like classic rock and I play piano. These songs mean quite a bit to me. And, well, we'll get into it next week. All yeah. right. Well... Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.